the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, We do this show every weekend on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Alan Dempsey does our engineering each weekend, does it superbly. Andrew Herdliska is our producer. And here in this first half hour, Dylan Burroughs joins us. He and Jimmy Turner have written a book called Faith Acts, A Provocative Call to live what you believe. And Dylan, I'm so glad that you can join me. How are you doing? Doing great. Glad to be with you today, Pat. Dylan Burroughs, nominated for a CNN Hero Award for his efforts to fight human trafficking. Uh, Dylan, I'm uh, curious about this book, and you and Jimmy work together. What is a provocative call to live what you believe all about? Well, it really comes down to what James one twenty two tells us, that do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And I think so many times we get this idea that if we have more information as Christians, that we will be better followers of Jesus. And that's not necessarily the case. We can take it in, but it only really is seen by others when we live it out. And this story in Faith Acts is really what happened when Jimmy and I got together and said, Let's apply what we're learning in Scripture to the most difficult situation we see in our community, which was the homeless community. And as we did, it took a step of faith, many risks, many difficulties, but we saw lives change in ways that we did not anticipate, and it's transforming our community and beyond in some significant ways that we would have never expected. Let's start with the introduction, if we may, Dylan. Why faith acts matter? Uh, Fill us in. Yeah, well, it all started, like I said, we went out and decided we were going to do something about helping those in need in our town, and we started looking at places where we knew that homeless individuals were staying, and after a couple of failed attempts, we went under a bridge where we met a guy who went by the name of Tree, and he was a homeless veteran who'd been living outside for some time, but he was a very gracious man, spent time with us, uh, we asked if we can come back again, and then as we finished up, he told us about another group of individuals staying in some tents uh, just a little bit away from where he was. So we went over there, not knowing what to expect, just two guys trying to, to share faith and make some friends. And uh, we ran into another homeless veteran, uh, a guy who was dealing with some addictions, and a lady who came walking in with a machete. And, of course, we're thinking, this is not what we signed up for. Uh, we started talking with them and built some friendship. At the end, I simply asked if we could pray, and we prayed together. And at the end, uh, all three of them gave us a hug and said we were welcome back any time. I tell people that was the day that we started what was called Relevant Hope, which is an organization that I lead that serves the homeless by directly going to where they are, meeting their needs unconditionally, and showing them the love of Jesus in the process. What was the story with the machete? Well, we found out later that she had been doing some odd jobs for a company next door, uh, clearing some weeds and some brush there, and they were going to pay her a little bit to to help out in exchange uh, for doing the work. So it ended up being something that that wasn't dangerous after all, but that was our introduction to working with people on the street. And to be honest, we have had situations where there have been very tense uh, uh, times where we thought, okay, I don't know which way this is going to go, people with knives, people threatening to harm us. Uh, But through it all, God has protected us. God has made opportunities for us to speak about our faith and live it out among the people who need it most. And it's been a very rewarding experience to see the lives change through it. Dylan Burroughs is with us. Do you really believe the Bible? Pre-test on faith and action. Uh, That's the title of chapter one, Dylan. 
Yes, and what what is interesting about that is I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and at the time we were writing the book, that city, Chattanooga, Tennessee, was ranked the most, most Bible-minded city in the United States by the American Bible Society, and it has the highest percentage of people who attend church on a weekly basis, over 60%. Mm. And so we looked at that and we thought, if that's really true, why do we have these problems in our town? And we started looking around and we saw this giant disparity between people who go to church, who call themselves Christians, and addressing the social problems of our community. And that was really what we talked about in this chapter. In 2013, we had 19 homicides in our city. Uh, It continued to grow the next year, and we thought, if we really believe what we say we believe, wouldn't we be doing something to address this? And that was just the story that we started to communicate with one church after another and after another. And what we found is that people care. They just didn't know what to do to respond. So a large part of our work is getting people involved in ways that are relatively safe, where they can connect and meet real needs. And what is cool about it is that it's not just Jimmy and I anymore. It's an entire um, movement of churches here in our local community and beyond who are working together to serve needs, both among the homeless and others. And when you start putting your faith into action, it's not higher church attendance on Sunday necessarily, but you see issues changing in your town that have been going on for years that are starting to see some progress. Now we get to this topic, a kingdom not of this world, faith plus politics minus hatred equals impact. What's that all about, Dylan? Yes. Uh, Well, I tell people that I've never slept on the streets, but I've been close. And there was a time when I moved back to my home state of Indiana uh, prior to living in Tennessee where I was staying with family. The job I was at suddenly ended. And if it wasn't for uh, a very generous family member, I would have had no place for my family to stay for a period of time, and I thought, there are other people who don't have those family resources, and that's what happens. Everybody has their story of how they got on the street or what went wrong to get them where they are. And we look at it often as evangelicals. We look at the political side. We think, oh, people should just work harder and take care of it for themselves. Or on the other side of the spectrum, we see a big government perspective where you want to provide services for anybody and everybody and take care of everyone's issues that way. But when you look at Scripture, it doesn't give us uh, necessarily one or the other. It gives us things like Ephesians 4.15 that talks about speaking the truth in love. And when you look at that and you attempt to apply it into the context of our society, you see issues where truth needs spoken, but you also see situations where people need some grace and they need some compassion because they've been going through battles. Um, You think sometimes it's just people who are going through addiction issues who end up on the street, but you sit down and you realize this is a guy who was abused his entire childhood, a guy who's experienced a trauma through war, perhaps, a PTSD issue and other factors, and you realize it's not somebody who just went out and wasted their life. This is somebody who's gone through some hard times, and they need someone to come along and be a friend and be a brother and to pour into them and help them get to the next step in their journey. Let's move to this topic, Dylan. Taking Scripture seriously. You mean you really believe this stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, we've had people we worked with, and they find out we're Christians, and they go, really, that's why you're doing this? And in one sense, yes, uh, we want to help people understand they're made in the image of God and that they're dearly loved by Him. We want people to experience the love of Jesus Christ through our actions. But what people don't always realize at the beginning is we're not trying to separate uh, our social concern from spiritual concern. We believe people come as a package. They don't come as spiritual or physical. They come as both. And so we address people as a person, as a whole, as an individual who has needs of all kinds. And as spiritual issues come up, we simply seek to address those. Now, what happens is you'll sometimes come across an individual who's willing to take help in terms of food or housing, but they don't want anything to do with you spiritually. And I tell people, that's okay. We're here to be a friend. We're here to be a help to you. And we're here to live out our faith no matter what your situation is to us in return. And I always use the story of the Good Samaritan when I talk to people in churches about this. Because what you realize is in that story, the Good Samaritan did not stop and ask, are you a Samaritan or are you a Jew? Jew? Are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Or whatever their issues were, he simply helped someone in need and let God do his work in that person. And I believe that the person that Good Samaritan helped would have remembered that the entire rest of their life, just like the people we help. They may not be ready to move forward in faith, but they'll remember that kind act the rest of their lives 
And somewhere along the way, perhaps another person will come along and be that person to help them grow in their faith as well. Now I want you to talk about TAG. You're called for many issues. You already know God's will. Right, and that's one we deal with with young people a lot, and I dealt with it personally. I remember being in college and thinking, what does God want me to do with my life? And you go through all those tensions of going back and forth, should I go into this major or should I take this job? And you realize that it's not as complicated as we often try to make it. Uh, We look at the Scriptures, and it gives us a very clear idea of what God's will is. And I like to tell people, God's will isn't always written in the sky, but it is clearly written in his word. Dylan, hold your thought. we got to take a break, and I do want you to pick up on that when we return. Just a reminder, folks, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are, why do we have trials, and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Are you being denied credit? Are you paying high interest rates? At CreditRepair.com, we know life happens. Divorce, medical bills, student loans, and many other reasons why credit scores fall. That's why at CreditRepair.com, we're committed to helping folks get the second chance they deserve to improve their credit. CreditRepair.com is actually acting as an advocate for me. Things that I thought when you paid them off, they were still on there. Things that I didn't even know were on there were on there, but they got them removed. I feel it doing what they said they'd do and beyond. I'm not going to abuse this second chance that they gave me. I'm in the process now of bonding home. CreditRepair.com actually does work. We can help you get a second chance at great credit. The consultation is free and includes a free credit score and summary credit report. We'll review your current credit situation right on the phone with a game plan to restore it. Call 800-231-1735. That's 800-231-1735. Again, 800-231-1735. 800-231-1735. Even though the calendar says it's winter, here in Orlando, summer can go all year long. That means our air conditioners take a beating. And if your AC is on its last leg or not working at all and you've been putting it off, we've got an amazing radio deal for you. It's called Half Price Cooling. Get a new complete AC system for your home with installation for half price. No coupons, no games, no gimmicks. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com right away. Then cool down with the hottest deal in town. Half Price Cooling. Check it out right now at AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're back, and uh, Dylan Burroughs is with us. We're talking about his book, Faith Acts. Dylan, before the break, uh, you were talking to us, and I want you to pick up on that, please. Right. We were talking about God's will, and I mentioned that God's will isn't always written in the sky, but it is clearly written in His Word. And there is this combination of what God teaches we are supposed to do, how we are to live, and how that comes about as we live out our lives. And when I um, talk about this in the book, I mentioned an experience I had where I went to serve in Haiti right after the earthquake on January 12, 2010. I had been there a couple of times on short-term mission trips before, so when it happened, now, I had personal friends who were involved in these buildings that had collapsed. I had places I had ministered where there were no longer buildings standing, so I felt like I had to get there as soon as I could. took one of the first flights into Port-au-Prince, and as soon as you hit the ground, you just saw the tragedy all around you of bodies, of buildings, of just the, the lack of hope that existed all around. Camps of uh, 50,000 people plus in makeshift shelters, and you thought, what can I even do to help? what you realize is that you do what you can. You go in, you help the one person you meet, you go to the next person, you help the second person you meet. And uh, I remember on the very last day, we went to this place uh, just south of the city called Titian, and it was the mass grave area where they claimed that over 100,000 people had been buried, all the bodies that had been taken out of the the city of Port-au-Prince after the earthquake. 
and I walked along there, and I realized I'm walking over 100,000 people who had just lost their lives, and there was nothing you could do to fix that. The only verse that came to mind was, uh, weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And sometimes life is like that. We come into a situation that's so overwhelming, all we can do is be there and offer a presence and, and do what we can with the situation that is around us. And when we do that, God will often work through that pain and that tragedy, both in that situation and in other circumstances down the road, which is what has happened with us working in our own community among people who are living in desperate situations. Now I want you to talk about following the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Jesus didn't say, choose one of the above. Yeah, that is an important statement that we often miss. I find so many Christian leaders are emphasizing only one or the other. They want us to love people uh, no matter what, unconditionally, which is great, the Bible commands that, or they're focused almost solely on evangelism, about spreading the gospel, and of course that's an essential part of our faith. But both of these go together to make a greater impact. When I go to someone who's having a difficult time, whether it's an addiction issue, whether they've just gotten out of prison, uh, they have a, a family conflict, they've gone through abuse, I don't go to them and think, how can I you know, immediately get this person saved? I, I go to this person and think, how can I treat them with the love of Jesus? How can I love my neighbor as myself, even if it's an outdoor neighbor or a homeless neighbor? And when you start there, that leads to a situation where you can share your faith, where you can make disciples of all nations, like the Great Commission tells us. But it's a process that goes together. It's not one or the other. It is both. And again, when you look at people holistically like that, you see, that's what Jesus did. When he went to people, he treated both their physical needs, if they needed healing. He also dealt with the, the root cause of sin and dealt with the heart and the spiritual needs. My guest is Dylan Burroughs, and he is the co-author of Faith Acts, a provocative call to live what you believe. Uh, next topic for us, Dylan. CTRL plus ALT plus DEL Church a fresh look at church in action. You're going to have to explain all that to us. <laughs> yeah, if you're a computer person, you know what Control-Alt-Delete means for your computer. When everything locks up and freezes, if you hold those three keys down on any PC computer, it automatically restarts. And we felt going into the homeless community that we couldn't simply invite them to church as normal, but we had to take a fresh look at what it meant to be church among people who would not attend, who would not fit in, and had a different cultural situation. So when we went to the streets to work with people in the homeless community, we decided to take church to where they were. It was a concept that was part of the Tennessee Baptist uh, 151 program, where they said, let's work on building communities of faith wherever people are, just like you would in the developing world. So we started developing worship services under the underpass or in forests where there are a few tents together among homeless individuals. And then later that led to being able to go in on a weekly basis, Friday mornings, 8 a.m., having a worship service and a soup kitchen day center where we have church. It's not a place where we pass out an offering. Nobody's dressed up in high heels or a fancy suit, but we worship Jesus. We talk about Scripture, and people's lives are being changed. We're a community of brothers and sisters growing in our faith in a context that looks far different from what most Americans experience on Sunday morning. Controversies are us when taking a stand means taking a hit. Tell us about that, Dylan. Yes, I, I love this chapter in particular because it really uh, fights the stereotype that you often hear among Christian personalities who say that if you're just faithful enough to Jesus, everything is going to go right. You're going to be healed. You're going to be prosperous. But when you look at Scripture, you realize that's not necessarily true. Sometimes God chooses to bless us. Other times he chooses to allow us to go through times of testing or perseverance. Uh, you look at some of the most encouraging letters by the Apostle Paul. They were written when he was in Roman imprisonment. And in our work, we've realized that there are times where God blesses, gives us a season of favor. But there are also very difficult struggles. There have been times where we've been threatened. People are, say they're going to beat us up. We run into people who have uh, firearms or people who are in uh, and just situations that you know that you're not really safe to be there, and so you're calling the police for a backup, or you're looking into um, alternative ways to minister that uh, you couldn't typically do because of the situation. And, and all those things are part of the mess of bringing God's grace to people in difficult situations. 
And I love that in Second Timothy 3 it talks about that idea that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I think we often overlook that. Uh, I tell people in speaking that if you're not under some kind of persecution in some aspect of your Christian life, you're probably not doing it right. So that's a good indicator that you're on the right track. If somebody's mad at you about the way you're living out your faith, you're probably on the right track and not the wrong track. Let's move to this topic. Together we can. Applying Scripture is a team sport. Yeah, this is a thing that we've picked up very early on in Relevant Hope. We had no budget, no office. You know, none, none of the big things you would like to have as an organization helping meet a deep societal need. But we did have relationships. You know, Jimmy and I both lived in the community for some time. We knew churches. We knew charities. We knew people in city government. And we figured that if we could start to leverage some of these connections for the kingdom of God, we can have a huge impact without having a huge budget. And that's very much what has been the case. Uh, Instead of us going out and visiting every person under a bridge, we go to churches and we recruit volunteers. Then we take the volunteers, help them fix a meal, and go and take it to every person in our town who will let us come and spend some time with them. The same is true with our city. We'll work together with the Homeless Veterans Program. Anytime we find a homeless veteran, to get them indoors as fast as we can because of our desire to help them, and they have resources to get people indoors that we don't have to provide. Uh, What we realized in our particular community is that only half the people who were living outside would go to one of the local charities or soup kitchens or shelters to be able to get services. Some of the other half weren't even there. And we started taking this incarnational approach where we try to be like Jesus, where he came from heaven to earth to show his love, to those in need, and we're trying to go from where we are to where people are and meet their needs unconditionally and on location in a way that is attractive and compelling and is the salt and light that Jesus spoke about. What do you uh, want <clears throat> listeners to do here? What's what's the action point here, Dylan? Uh, the real action point goes back to where we started with James one twenty two and you know, do what it says. So many Christians think that if you fill up the tank spiritually, you're good to go, but that is only so you can go out and do the work that God has called us to do. You don't fill up the tank of your car so you can go park it in the garage. You fill up the tank of your car when you're going to go into action, when you're going to take a road trip, when you're going to go do something of value. And as Christians, we need to have that same mindset that the church is not the place where we come and consume. It's the place where we come and fuel up so we can go out and do the work of the kingdom of God. And if more people in the church saw church services as a place to go to get fueled for doing work the rest of the time, we'd be making a much greater impact among our communities and, as a result, uh, communities across our country influence in our nation. Tell me a little bit more about Chattanooga, Dylan, and uh, you talked about some of the spiritual news. Uh, Expand on that a little bit. Well, as many people know, back last summer on July 16th, uh, there was a terrorist-inspired shooting incident that took place in our own town that took the lives of five military servicemen. Mm-hmm. And as sad as that was, it was one of those things that brought everyone in our community together. Everyone was wearing a shirt or had a bumper sticker that said Chattanooga Strong. And even though uh, it was the worst of times, it put a spotlight on our little community that said when things go wrong, our community comes together and unites in a way that makes an impact, that we're resilient, that we're not backing down, but we're going to move forward. And in our case, it was an opportunity to inspire people to pray, to inspire people to come together and meet the needs of those in need, not only those impacted by that event, but other issues in our community. And as a result, we're seeing much more faith and action among the churches in our town than we have in previous years. And that's expanding now where Relevant Hope is now working in Knoxville, Tennessee, an hour and a half down the road from us. We're expanding to other cities across the state. Do the same thing as do what it says, bring faith to action among those who are homeless and among those who are in the worst situations in our communities. Dylan, what is the homeless situation across America? Is it, a, is, it a, is it an epidemic? Is it a crisis? Well, it depends who you ask, to be honest. And, you know, the, stati- the statistics tell one story, but any sizable community is going to have this pocket of people who live outdoors who are in in need and don't have anyone there. And it's an issue of loneliness. It's not so much that people are going to starve to death in our country because there are enough charities that can provide meals and food, but it is a situation where people are coming from broken lifestyles, 
broken relationships, and the only thing that's going to fix that ultimately is God. The problem is that these people are living under bridges, sometimes in tents and other places, and there's no one taking the time to go out and pour into this person's life. And really, it's what comes down to one person helping one person. And when you look at it from that perspective, it doesn't matter if the person is a millionaire or doesn't have a dime to their name. The person in need is the person we're called to serve, whether it's the person across the street, under the bridge, or on the other side of the planet. And when you focus on changing that one life, God can do some of his most significant work in ways that are beyond what we can ask or imagine. We were in Toronto recently, uh, Dylan, for the NBA All-Star Weekend. It was bitterly cold. I mean, below zero for that weekend, just bitterly cold. And we were shocked by the number of homeless people in Toronto in that cold weather, mm-hmm. um, you know, bur- buried underneath some forms of blankets and just right out on the sidewalks um, dealing with that cold weather. And there they were. And, uh Boy, if that doesn't get to you, I don't know what will. Yes, and I tell people that when you see something like that, our goal is to act. And we don't always know what to do, but we can do something. And even if you're visiting a community, there's some place that you can go to 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 serve as a volunteer or at least help connect with to get some resources to someone. Um, It's the same idea as like when someone says, if you see a crime, report it. If you see something suspicious, report it. Well, as believers, when we see someone in need, uh, we don't just report it to God and pray. We also seek to do something about it, like the Good Samaritan and Act. Jesus tells us to go and do likewise. And if we look at each person in need as a brother or a sister, uh, I think that will influence how we act. If that was my brother out in the snow under a blanket, I wouldn't just walk by and do nothing. I would do something. And it's convicting, but it's really the attitude that, that will cause us to do uh, action that will change the situation instead of walking by. What's next for you, Dylan? Well, uh, in addition to my work with the homeless community, I'm also uh, continuing work to fight human trafficking through an organization called the Mercy Movement based out of Atlanta, Georgia, with a friend of mine. So we're working on a project on that right now to help mobilize churches across the United States to get more involved in fighting human trafficking in their communities and worldwide. So we'll be looking forward to a book uh, this fall, hopefully, called Not In My World coming out from New Hope as well. So I'm excited about that and getting the church more involved on that issue as well. But uh, I just appreciate the time with you. It's been a blessing, and I hope people can uh, go to relevanthope.org to find out more about our work among the poor and how they can be involved. What's that again, Dylan? Say that again. It's relevanthope.org, the organization that I lead serving the homeless of Tennessee. Well, Dylan, a million thanks. Congratulations on the book that you and Jimmy Turner have put together. I'm so glad we could visit the foreword, by the way, by Jeff Foxworthy. So uh, you'll be uh, deeply moved by this book. All the best to you, Dylan. Take care. Thanks so much. Uh, We've got more folks on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Just a reminder, this is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delta Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-824-5131 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-824-5131. 
No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. It's a great blessing to be able to come into your home and cars via radio each weekday evening at 6.30 with Verse by Verse. The Apostle Paul told his young protege, Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That's my passion, to accurately understand and teach God's word of truth. I hope you'll tune in weekdays at 6.30 p.m. to Verse by Verse on WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Dylan Burroughs, our guest in that first half hour, uh, talking about his book, Faith Acts. Uh, Jared Stevens joins us, lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago, author of Four Small Words uh, with Zondervan. That's uh, our next topic. Jarrett, great to catch up with you. I hope I hope you're doing well. I am, Pat. It's great to be talking with you today. Before we plow into the book, tell me about mm-hmm. your church. Sure. Yeah, we started this church from scratch right here in downtown Chicago a little over five years ago. Uh, my wife and I just felt a calling to the city to be right in the heart of the city. And so through a lot of prayer and faith and folks getting involved, we were able to start this church, and it's it's really growing. We're in an exciting season right now for our church. We're about to expand our current space, and um, we're really, really a part of a, a faith adventure here in downtown Chicago, so we love what God's doing here in the city. What did your time at Willow Creek Church mean to you? Well, that was incredibly significant, Pat. That was really where I started in ministry. My wife and I both worked there for 11 years, and we learned more about leadership and evangelism and a vision for the church that I just simply had never had before in my life and that it really can be the hope of the world. And uh, so it was incredibly impactful for us to start, you know, to cut our teeth in ministry there and to grow up significantly there. Um, And I am forever grateful for the time that I had there at Willow. And, you know, now they're just neighbors out in the suburbs, not too far from us. So it's good to stay connected with them as well. What did your time as a pastor and teacher at North Point Community Church in Atlanta mean to you? Yeah, so I got we had the privilege to work down in Atlanta with Andy Stanley and an incredible team down there. And really, that church just has such a vision for, um, you know, folks who maybe are outside the church or would never think of coming to church, similar to Willow Creek, but just an unbelievable reach in that area. And really learned a lot about leadership culture. Uh, what Andy and the team have done there to create a leadership culture in their staff is absolutely amazing. So these are some of the most talented people in the world, and yet some of the most humble people I have ever been around. And so learned a lot about leadership culture, and um, again, incredibly honored and grateful for our time there. Uh, as you've plowed into this new church, Jarrett, uh, what kind of a leader have you become? What have you learned about leadership? That's a great, that is a great question. I don't know. I mean, we could go on and on all day. You know, there's a lot there. Uh, learned that vision is necessary. It's critical. People need to hear the vision and they need to know that the leader is willing to go first. And so that meant, you know, for us, when we started the church, I mean, we really went all in, left jobs, left great jobs at the at North Point Church and, and started again from scratch, no salaries, cashed everything in. And there's a lot to be said for a leader being willing to go first and to lead the way by example. And then really God has shaped my teaching voice and my writing voice over these last five years here at this church, because we got a lot of folks coming to our church who are not what you would call typical church folks. Mm-hmm. And God has really broken my heart and expanded my heart for folks who are new to church, are new to the Bible, are new to prayer, are new to faith. And so I, I am so grateful for how God has grown my heart for folks who are far from Him, coming to find Him through the local church, through engaging the Bible for the first time in their life ever. And so that has shaped my leadership significantly. To think of the, you know, for lack of a better word, the outsider and, and our call to this world. And so that has shaped my leadership a ton over these last five years. So what's a typical Sunday morning like at your church, uh, Jared? <laughs> well, it's uh, packed right now. We are out of room. We just added another service recently, and it filled up instantly. And so we're kind of an overflow at just about every one of our services. And so, you know, it's a lot of folks. It's a good mix of folks. It's a young church. Um, and there's a lot of folks that just walk right here because we're right in the middle of one of the fastest growing neighborhoods in Chicago. And so we just, you know, folks just walk to church. It's a really cool thing to be a neighborhood church in this city. 
And it's a lot of folks who are coming back to God, who are coming to God for the very first time, um, who are new to engaging spiritual practices like prayer and like Bible and community and small groups. And so uh, there's a lot of um, excitement around our church because for many folks, this they're getting it for the first time in their life. Maybe they kind of grew up with faith or grew up around the church, but they're getting it now as adults. And um, it's a very um, exciting culture to be around, very diverse culture. I mean, across the board uh, for our church, you know, being in the city, that just is kind of who we are. And so it is fun to see all different types of folks coming to find Jesus through this church. What is your new book about, Jarrett? Yeah, well, the new book is about the Bible and set out to, again, from the learnings every Sunday and every week here, how could we approach the Bible in a way for folks who have really no history with it, you know, maybe no relationship with the Bible? And I'm sure, Pat, you're familiar with the statistics that, you know, we've never had greater access to the Bible, right? I mean, we, it's an app now. It's literally all over the world that our world has never had this great of an access to the Bible. But there seems to be less interest in the Bible. And so I wanted to understand what that was about and why that was. So I began to dive in deep to studying all the stats and the figures and talking with folks from our church and realized that a lot of it just comes down to intimidation. People are just intimidated by the Bible. They don't have any history with the Bible. Maybe they didn't grow up with the Bible. And so it can be overwhelming. You know, you, it can, you don't know where to start. You're not quite sure what all these books are and what they mean. And so I wanted to create a, a framework or a context for approaching the Bible that takes the intimidation out and helps folks get the bigger story in as simple a way as possible. And so I tried to break it down to really four main movements of the Bible, and then each of those movements has a really small, simple word that anyone can get and anyone can remember and anyone can share with anyone else. And so I tried to, you know, take this big, beautiful, life-changing, history-altering story and truths of the Bible and try to make it as approachable as possible by giving this sort of framework to it with these four small words. Well, let's start. Let's plow in. The first small sure. word is called of, of mm-hmm. community, for community, life in a garden, mm-hmm. the end mm-hmm. of the beginning. Uh, uh, fill us in on that whole program there, Jared. Sure, absolutely, Pat. The first word is of, and that's the smallest of the movements. That's Genesis 1 and 2, that we are created in the image of God. And that's incredibly important. I think we have a lot to learn from what God intended and created for the garden. And so what does it mean that we're actually, the Bible makes it very clear, we're created from the Trinity. God says, let us create people in our image. And so already there's relationship before any of us ever enter the scene. And so what does that mean, that we're created in the image of a triune God, that there's already the relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit? Might that mean that we are also created for relationship with God, that we're created for relationship with others. So really exploring the truths of our identity that are just true of you, no matter who you are, that you are created in the image of God. And if we could get that about ourselves, I wonder what that might change about how we see ourselves. And if we could get that about others, that there's not a person you'll see today that's not created in the image of God, well, I wonder what that might change about how we see others and how we see each other. So that's the first movement of you are created in the image of God. So we explore the garden. We explore why that's so significant and all that happened in those first two chapters of the Bible. Now, here's the second word Mm -hmm. of between Mm -hmm. uh, the story before the story, between the lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's so important about this word? Yeah, so the second word is really the largest of the four main movements, and that is from Genesis 3 all the way through Malachi 4. It's the rest of the Old Testament. And that word between represents how sin came between us and God. So that really is, Pat, when you kind of get that idea that anywhere you put your finger in the Old Testament, there is something between us and God. So it's not like it was in the garden where there was intimacy and relationship with God, where God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Not so for the rest of the Old Testament. And so what you see is God institutes things to step between us and our sin, to come between us and our sins. That's why you have the tabernacle. That's why you have the temple. That's why you have priests. These are all the things that God brings to step between us and the consequences of our sin. That's why you have covenants, like the covenant with Abraham, commandments like God gave to Moses. And then you even see that the people of God put something between them and God, and they want kings. They they refuse to accept God's leadership, so they put another thing between them and God, and they put kings, and they devote themselves to kings, and if you know anything about the Old Testament, that does not end well for them. 
And so God sends his prophets once again to come between us and our sin. So when you get that idea that you're looking at a story of a people and a God, and there's something between them, sin has come between them. And that is really the story of the Old Testament. Now here's the next word, Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. a not-so-silent night, what life with God looks like, Mm -hmm. a God who is with us until the end. Yeah. Yeah, so that third chapter, with, is uh, the third movement in the Bible, and that is the Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that is, not surprisingly, the story of God with us. So all those ways that God came between, through the tabernacle, the temple, the priests, prophets, commandments, covenants, all of those were to set the stage for what God would ultimately do for our salvation and the redemption of the world, is he would send his son to be with us. And so that word is incredibly important. God came to be with us. So no more in between. God is actually with us in the form of Jesus. And in fact, as I know you know, that's one of the names given to Jesus when he's born. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so what does that mean? What did it look like? Who did Jesus choose to be with? You know, when you look and you kind of study that, you go, oh, look who he chose as his disciples to be with. These are not sort of the top of the class, you know, people. These are not the folks you might expect. These are folks who were on the outside, on the fringe, whose society had not um, accepted. And, and so you get a sense of the heart of God by looking at how he was with us in the form of Jesus. And, and that, I think, gives us huge window into God's heart and what it looks like for us to have a relationship with him by looking at the life and the teaching and the miracles and ultimately the death and the, resurre- the resurrection of Jesus, that he not only came to be with us, but he gave his life for us. And so, yeah, that's, you know, for me, that's one of my favorite movements in the story of God, because God completely changes the story by bringing himself, his son Jesus, to be with us, enters into the story with us. And now let's talk about uh, in, I-N, how in entered in, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the outsider, all in. Uh, why, Why is that word important? Yeah, so this is the fourth and final movement in the Bible, and this really begins in Acts chapter 2, when God sends the Holy Spirit to literally live in us. And Jesus gave preludes to this all throughout his teaching in his life, that there is one coming who is greater than I, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power. And that's exactly what happens. That fourth movement is God in us. This is what the Apostle Paul talks about in Colossians 1.27. This is the great mystery of God and the hope of the world is that God actually can be in you and me. And what would it look like if we got that, that the power of God that was in Christ Jesus, that same power can be in you and me, is in you and me when we enter into a relationship with God. And so that little small word has incredible power. And that's really what the whole story is leading to, is that God can be in you. You can be in relationship with him and that the Holy Spirit is actually fully available and accessible to anyone who's in relationship with God. So I explore what that looks like and how the Apostle Paul got that, and he took that message of in out to the world and to people who were outside of, um, you know, what they thought the church was supposed to be. And, um, you know, it's a very—that's the rest of the New Testament. You put your finger in any one of the epistles, any one of the letters to any one of the churches, and you see this description of what life is like when God is in us. And then uh, part six is simply called In the End. Yes, that's right. And, and have to have a dramatic ending, right, Pat? you got to end with a dramatic ending there. Yeah, that's right. And so how do you do it? What do you say? So really the, the point at the end of it all is so that you would know God. That's the point of the Bible. That is the point of my book is that you would know this God and the story that you are actually a part of, that you're created in the image of God, that sin has separated you from God, has come between you and God. That Jesus came to be with you so that the Holy Spirit could be in you. You could have a relationship with him. And that really is the point in the end, is that we would get that and that we would share that with others. What an incredible story. And I think my hope is, at least with this book, is that by taking some of the intimidation out of the Bible and help give it maybe a simpler framework for the Bible, that not only would people get that for themselves, but they would be compelled and empowered to share that simple yet life-changing message with others. Those four small words really tell the story of the Bible, and anyone can get those, and anyone can share those. And so that's really what the whole point in the end is, is that you would get it and that you would share it with others. My guest is uh, Jared Stevens. He is the lead pastor 
of Soul City Church in Chicago. Uh, the book we're talking about is called Four Small Words, A Simple Way to Understand the Bible. Zondervan is the publisher. Uh, we will have another segment with Jared, so I want you to stay plugged in here with us. In the meantime, uh, feel free to visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. Uh, the Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat, and uh, you can uh, check out my latest books. In fact, the most recent book is called Extreme Winning. Uh, it's out now in bookstores and up on Amazon.com as well. Uh, more with Jarrett Stevens right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Maybe you've been walking with God for most of your life. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus or the Bible. Whatever your background, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN invites you to join us each Sunday morning at 1045 for Reach Orlando, a Bible-centered church with a passion to love God, love people, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. Come study the Bible together with Pastor Adam Parsons and draw closer to God with Reach Orlando, Sunday morning at 1045 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $28 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-509-1667. That's 1-800-509-1667. 1-800-509-1667. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors not available in all states. Frank Reynolds and Company, a family-oriented and faith-based wealth management firm, is here weekdays at 5 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. It's faith, family, and finances, helping Christian families utilize intelligent wealth management strategies as they seek to accomplish God's leading in their lives, preserving wealth for the future, and preparing wealth for generations to come. Faith, family, and finances, weekdays, 5 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. on the new 94.9 FM and AM 9. 50 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Jared Stevens is with us. He is the lead pastor of the uh, Soul City Church in Chicago, author of Four Small Words. Jared, tell us about Steal the Bible idea at your church. How did it start, and uh, what can we all learn from that? Uh, sure. Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of folks coming to our church who've maybe not been to church for a long time or, or who are coming for the very first time. And one of the things I learned when I began to write this book was I would look out on Sunday when I'm preaching and I would say, oh, you know, let's all turn to the book of Ephesians chapter four. And I noticed two things, uh, Pat. First, not many people had a Bible with them. Okay, well, I'm not going to take that personally. Maybe they just forgot. But then when you, when I would watch people you know, turning to whatever passage I was teaching from, there was a great sense of hesitation and not sure, you know, where to find it. And the more I dove into that, I realized, well, this isn't because they don't have a Bible. They just haven't been around a Bible. And um, there is sort of a a great uh, biblical illiteracy in our culture today. And rather than, you know, being upset with people for not knowing the Bible more, I thought, well, let's help. Let's help them. Let's give them a Bible. And so we, uh, early on in our church, before, before there was, you know, much money uh, in our, you know, before there was a whole lot that we had there, we made a pretty significant investment in Bibles. And through our relationship and friendship with Zondervan, uh, they were able to connect us with some Bibles, and we put a Bible in the back of every seat. Nothing new there. So one of the things we began to do is, you know, anytime I would say, okay, turn to this book of the Bible, or this chapter of this book of the Bible, I would always give the page number. We'd say, okay, it's page number. 934. 
And what that would do is it would help folks, because we all have the same Bibles and the same backs to seats, and that would help them get there. And it would, again, it's about eliminating intimidation. They would feel comfortable and familiar with the Bible. And then what we began to do is like, well, they should have a Bible. They, their access to the Bible shouldn't just be for the hour and 15 minutes that they're at church. So we just began to say, hey, if you don't own a Bible and you're serious about investigating who this God is and you want to know who this God is, who this Jesus is that we talk about every week, we want you to steal a Bible from our church today. In fact, nothing would make us happier than you stealing a Bible from our church today. And so it began a little bit as a joke, but then it became a part of our culture where we would just start saying every week, hey, if you don't own a Bible, please steal a Bible from church today. And that's exactly what began to happen. In fact, it became one of our greatest joys was to have to restock Bibles every week from seatbacks. And then people would begin to brag on their way out of church. You know, they say, I stole a Bible from church today, you know, which is like this badge of honor. And it just it makes me laugh every time. I always say, you know, that's so awesome. I'm so proud of you. You know, please don't steal anything else, just the Bible. And, uh, and so that's become a part of our culture. And just about every week, Pat, there's folks who are stealing a Bible from church so that they can begin to get to know the God that gave them this book so that they could have a relationship with him. And so it's, it's become a fun part of our culture here at Soul City Church. I wonder how many Bibles you've moved uh, this way. Uh, I, I, hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of Bibles. I mean, we have to restock them every week. We've had to order multiple new orders since we started doing this about four years ago. And so it's a, it is a joy for us to see people stealing Bibles from our church. Jarrett, what is the best way that you have discovered to uh, study the Bible? That's a great question. I mean, there's so many different ways and so many different ways that I, you know, employ in, in my study and my engagement with the Bible. One of the ones, though, that I've found most helpful for folks uh, is to go slow with the Bible. And I've done, I'm not sure if you've done, I'm sure you have done a, you know, read the Bible in a year and done the, that whole plan. And those have been awesome. And it's been a real discipline to do so. And those definitely have their place. But there's, a, there's another side to that, which is going slow with a passage of maybe taking one story uh, in the Bible or taking one chapter of the Bible and reading it slowly over the course of time. And this is what the Bible talks about and even teaches us about when it says to meditate on the Word of God, to let it sink in, to let it stay with you so that it's with you throughout the day, so that it's with you throughout the week, so that's with you throughout your life. And so to even take one verse and to say, okay, just for this week, I'm just going to read this one verse over and over and over again. I'm going to read it in the morning. I want to pray. I'm going to ask God, to, God, is there anything I need to hear? Is there anything I need to see? Anything you want to teach me from this? And to go slower with it, um, I've found for me, it goes much deeper and it gets into the real stuff of my life. As opposed to me just kind of, you know, flipping through, oh, what am I going to read today? Okay, I'll just read this real quick, and, you know, hopefully God will teach me something in these next five minutes. All right, got to go, God. <laughs> hopefully you'll teach me something. But rather staying with the passage and, and really letting it speak to, to your life. And we've done this with our kids. We've taken a verse, and just for this month, this is our verse, guys, and we'll, you know, read it in the morning. We'll talk about what it means. We'll ask them at the end of the day, hey, what was that like? And it's just a a simpler way to go slow with the Bible. So for folks maybe who are new to the Bible or who are kind of coming back to the Bible, I would recommend, boy, you can't go wrong with starting in any one of the gospel accounts, starting with the book of Proverbs and just picking a verse or picking a chapter and saying, I'm going to just read this for this week or maybe even for this month. And I'm by coming back to it and staying with it, I believe God is going to teach me something and actually transform my heart by going a little bit slower with it. So that's a, one that I love to just employ personally in my life, Pat. Um, obviously, when I'm studying for messages and sermons, you know, I, I go a little bit faster than that. But for personal study and growth and reflection, I like to go slow with a passage or with a verse. Um, uh, Jarrett, many years ago, uh, my Bible teacher, Dr. Layman Strauss, uh, mm-hmm. saw that I was floundering, you know, as a young Christian. <laughs> And here's what he said to me. This was actually the 1st of July, 1975. He said, I want you to take the book of James uh, because it's so practical. He said, I want you to read it through once a day, every day for this Mm -hmm. month of July. He said, that means 31 times. He said, you can Mm -hmm. use different translations. He said, but at the end of July, he said, the book of James should be yours. Mm -hmm. You should have, uh, you should have a, a really solid handle on it. Yeah, I would think so. And uh, so whenever James comes up, I always think of July 1st, 1975, 
Mm. Uh, when Dr. Strauss challenged me that way, it really, I found it very helpful. Well, absolutely. Yeah, you're exa- I love that phrase, it will be yours. And what, what a beautiful picture that this will be a passage or this will be a, a, a section of the Bible, part of God's heart for you that really you can make yours and will be with you. And like you just shared, it's with you even still to this day. It's amazing. Uh, Jared, you, you talk a lot about knowing the God of the Bible, not just knowing about him. That's right. So how will people know when they've experienced the difference? Sure, that is a great question. Uh, you know, I grew up going to church. Uh, I was, I mean, my mom worked at the church I grew up at. I went to a Bible college, uh, you know, so all through my life. I went to a Christian school, so very, very blessed in that regard. And what I found by the time I got to college was that I knew a lot about God, you know, and I knew a lot about the Bible. I could draw a map of the Holy Land if I had to, you know, I, I knew about it. But I had very little relationship with God. I didn't know God personally. And I, there is a difference between the two. You can know a lot about God and still miss the heart of God and be living your life with God. And so the the difference, I think, really comes when one of the ways you can tell is in your prayers. You know, when you pray, is this a personal prayer from your heart to God? Is this you bringing your heart, as we see in the book of Psalms, David just pours out his heart to God. And there is a knowing that you can see there, that he has relationship with God, that there is the wrestling, there is the struggling, there is the praising, there is the acknowledging of God's hand on his life and activity in the world. That is a that is a deep knowing, not a knowing about. And so I think any time that I find myself being drawn more to kind of studying about God or learning more about God, or if I just knew, you know, if I could just get this thing down, if I could just learn this a little bit more, or feeling like I don't know enough, you know, if I only knew more, then I'm missing the point of, no, I can actually know God personally right now today by opening up my heart to Him. And then when I read the Bible, it's not just for more knowledge about God, but it's for a deeper understanding of the heart and the character of God so that I can experience that in relationship with Him. I think it's the the distance back between the head and the heart. Jared, <clears throat> great to talk to you. Congrats on your book, Four Small Words. Jared Stevens, lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago, has been our guest. All the best to you, Jared. We will be back, folks, for a wrap-up here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN here in Orlando, Florida. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Always delighted when you plug in. Uh, Dylan Burroughs was our guest in the first half hour, talking about his book, Faith Acts. And then Jarrett Stevens from Chicago. Four small words. Uh, Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my latest book is out. It's called Extreme Winning, Uh, the 12 qualities that the extreme winners possess in life. I think you'll enjoy it. It's uh, uh, motivational in nature, and I think it'll give you a big lift, a big challenge. Uh, So uh, please check it out. Uh, We'll be back next weekend for more here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In the meantime, have a wonderful day in church tomorrow with your family. A great week ahead. And stay tuned, folks, to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.